All right, so I've got a special gift for you guys today. All right, so how many? There's so many kids here. All right, so I've got a special gift for you guys today. So um, one thing that we're today we're going to talk about is something called confession and repentance. All right, so do you guys know um, these are kind of big words? And I don't know if this guy's eating his snacks. So I don't know if he's going to answer my question. Um, this is super cute. I should take a picture of you guys later. Um, so we're going to talk about confession and repentance. Have you guys ever heard th- these words, confession and repentance? No? So, y- Josiah, you said yes. What's, do you know what confession is? You've heard of repentance. What's repentance? It's to say sorry. Yeah, that's part of repentance. Um, what else? Has, does that, has anyone ever heard this? Well, oh yes, James. Okay, James, I can, uh, I, I'm gonna guess what he's saying. He's saying that repentance is that big word that we're gonna talk about today. So that's a great answer, James. Yes. Alright, so, to reward you guys, thank you guys. You guys can thank, um, Josiah for answering the question for you. To reward, reward you guys, I have a gift for you guys, alright? So, um, stay right there for a second. So I've got something in this box, okay? So if you guys if you guys make your way toward the center. So guys, come over here. Come down to the middle. All right. All right, who's who sees that box right down there? You guys see it? All right, so there's something very special in there, all right? So I will let you guys, if you guys can slowly walk toward that, um, and then you'll see what it is, all right? It's, let me tell you what it is. Adults, um, these are uh, paper towels. <laughs> all right, so, uh, but they're, they're, they're really great paper towels. So why don't you guys just head on over there and uh, see, see if you can grab one, all right? Hey, but guys, can you just stop for one second? So, you guys are walking toward it. All right, let me, you guys have a choice now, right? So, in this box, I've got uh, goldfish, packs of goldfish. I've got um, Play-Doh. I've got Hot Wheels. I've got uh, sticker packets. And you guys have a choice, all right? You guys can either grab those paper towels, or you can grab something from here. So, if you want something from there, grab that, or you can come up here and grab this. So, I think we have enough for, uh, we have enough for two things for each kid, all right? So, you guys can come ahead, come up here, and you can grab it if you'd like. So, up to you guys. You don't have to grab it. So, so, um, one toy and one, uh, one goldfish. There you go. Let me, let me put it right here. I'm gonna pour it out. Alright. That's like a pinata with... <laughs> Alright, adults are grabbing their, the cars, the goldfish. 
You're welcome. Who's, whose child is this? He said thank you. So polite. What's your name? Ethan. Ethan is so polite. Good job, parents of Ethan. All right, you guys stay up here. Stay up here still. <laughs> okay. Zachary, you get two things. Okay, and once you guys have your toys, come on up over here. <laughs> okay, good job, guys. All right. What you guys show me what you guys got? Ooh, all right. You guys can. I think um, so. Ask your parents first before you open anything, if it's okay. All right. Don't eat anything unless your parents say it's okay later. All right. So, but you can eat them in here. I won't tell the janitor um, and the play-doh especially. Make sure you, you ask your parents if you can open the play-doh because they may not want it stuck in your stuff. But do you, do you guys know what you guys did at first? You saw something down there, right? And it was okay, right? You can always use a paper towel. But when I told you to stop and turn around because there was something better, you saw something better. I think most of you guys chose to grab the things that were down here, right? That is a picture of repentance. Repentance means turning around. The Bible's word is, um, there's this word called metanoia. Can you guys say that word? Metanoia? Metanoia. So that's a Greek word that's in the Bible. And it means a change of your heart or a change of mind because you were headed toward one thing, but you change your mind, you change your heart because you saw that there was something better. And when the Bible tells us to repent, this is one of the important things that we do as as followers of Jesus is we're going to turn around to grab what is better. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Uncle TJ is going to read a psalm, a psalm from Psalm 51. It's about a guy named King David. You guys know of King David from your Sunday school? You do remember? Yes. King David, he's someone who repented because he did something that was not good, but he knew that God himself, God was good, and God would treat him kindly. So he repented. He turned around. He turned away from his sin, and he went toward God. So that's what repentance is. So what you guys did is you guys turned away from something that was not good to something that was good. And that's a little picture of repentance. Okay? So keep that in mind. Sound good? Any questions? All right. Thank you. You guys can go to your seat now. We've got toys here. The adults would like some later. Like Tom said, the um, the reason we have uh, children in children's churches, part of it is because um, to give our school teachers a break. The other is because I think it's really awesome that we can sit in service with. Our little, uh, our little brothers and sisters, because they are not just the future of the church, they are the church. This is one of the things as Presbyterians that we believe is, um, these are, we call them our covenant children. They, they uh, are, our, we as parents, we take responsibility and we're going to raise them as Christ followers. And like Tom said, you're going to hear them make noise. And you're going to hear them perhaps cry. They might be a little bit distracting, but that is part of the design. Is um, if you if you are a part of a family, you you will know that things never go exactly as you want them to go. 
um, but you can still be a family. And um, this is something that we're going to do together, is we're going to hear the Word of God together. The Word of God speaks to all of us. And um, we're going to pray that God was going to do His work here as the Word is preached. So now we will begin the uh, message for everyone. All right, so I'm going to invite TJ Seiko to come up to read Psalm 51. So we're going to read from Psalm 51, which is in your program. So, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my inequities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would not give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do not go to Zion. In your good pleasure, build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in the right sacrifices, and burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings, and the gold of the altar. This is the Lord Thank you, TJ. Today is going to be, um, in addition to this being a family service, this is going to be a little bit of a unique service. You may have noticed that we usually do congregational prayer. Um, we're, we're not doing that this, this Sunday. Um, we're going to have something called um, a time of confession of sin and assurance of pardon, and Tom's going to lead that portion later. But this is designed because we're going to talk about prayer, um, specifically confessing to God and repenting as we pray to God. And we're going to be able to practice that in just a few moments. But over the next few moments, I'm going to talk about the passage that TJ read for us, Psalm 51. And um, this is a psalm that King David wrote after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, if you remember this. And he wrote, he wrote this after realizing the gravity of his sin and where he had to turn. So this is David's cry to God, a cry for mercy, a cry of confession and repentance. And this is what we'll be talking about over the next few moments. So the first thing I want to just mention is this. Um, In prayer, the reason why we're going through this passage or this series 
is prayer is sometimes something that is difficult for us or something that is um, we don't want to do. Um, it might seem intimidating. It might seem too out of reach. It might seem impractical. But in fact, prayer is, Paul tells us in the New Testament, pray continuously, pray without ceasing. Prayer is something that should be done constantly, like breathing. And we all pray whether or not we know it, because we have this, we have desires, and we have, uh, we. If you are a believer in in Christ, um, you know that you belong to the Lord, and you know on some level that your life is held in His hands, and that everything that you have comes from Him, everything that everything that they, everything that you need comes from Him, and there is within us when we realize there's this neediness that life is not how I want it to be. I do not have, have everything that I need. I need it to come from another source. When we pray to God, we're saying, God, I need you. And today we're going to talk about an aspect of needing God, which is, I have sinned, God, and I need you. And the first thing we're going to talk about is confession. Praying to God um, and confessing to God what is true. And let me begin with this um, illustration from a story which is called Toy Story, and you may have seen this, the kids may have seen this, and um, came out years and years ago. And in one of the final scenes of the first Toy Story, there are two characters, the two main characters you might remember. There is Buzz Lightyear and uh, Woody, and here are these two buddies who have been kidnapped from their home. Uh, they're, They're owned by this kid named Andy, but Sid, the neighborhood bully, he has stolen Buzz and Woody. And this entire time, throughout the entire movie, if you know Buzz Lightyear, uh, he is a toy figure, but he thinks that he is a heroic space ranger. And his friend Woody, despite his insistence that he's a toy, he says, I'm a space ranger. I'm a space ranger. While they're at Sid's house, the TV is on, and they see they see a commercial for a Buzz Lightyear toy. And the scene shows the commercial reflected on the plastic helmet of Buzz. And the actual Buzz, which is the toy, he appears on the reflection. He is a confident, smiling toy Buzz. This is the commercial. And at the end of the commercial comes this, this disclaimer, not a flying toy. And Buzz, he refuses to believe this. He says, I am a flying space ranger. So he jumps up on the railing at the top of the stairs and he launches himself into the air because he thinks, I'm a space ranger, I can fly. What happens? He reaches the bottom, he doesn't fly. Instead, he crashes to the ground. He breaks off one of his arms. No matter how much of a space ranger he believed himself to be, Buzz Lightyear was actually a toy. And it was in this scene that Buzz Lightyear came face to face with the truth of who he really was. And it sets him up for a moment of confession. And before I talk about this moment, I want to talk about confession for us. So here, looking at the psalm, David, he looks at his own life, he looks at his own actions, and he confesses to the Lord, this is my sin. This is who I am. This is the punishment that I deserve. For the believer in Christ, confession is looking at yourself with 
sobriety and intention. The intention of digging out what is rotten, what is unclean, what is sinful. We see this if you have your bulletin or if you have your, bull, or if you have your Bible. Verse 1, he says, Have mercy on me, O God. He recognizes his need for mercy. And who needs mercy? People that have sinned. He recognizes himself as a sinner. Wash me from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David knows that there is iniquity. He knows that there is sin that needs to be purged from him, that needs to be cleaned out. Verse 3, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me, not just momentarily, not temporarily, but always there is this sinfulness in David. He recognizes this. From the very beginning, verse 5, I was brought forth in iniquity, in sin, and my mother conceived me. From the very beginning of his life, there was in David this sinfulness. And David looks back, he turns toward himself, and he sees the truth for who he is. But that's not all. There is an outward-facing aspect of confession. Confession is an outward act that begins with an inward searching. So after David has searched himself, it goes out. I am going to tell God about these things. Now here's the thing. We don't need to tell God anything. He knows each of us intimately better than we know ourselves. You might be self-aware. You might be self-conscious. You might have studied yourself. You might know that you are an Enneagram number 7 or 8 or 9. You might know that you are MBTI, INFP, whatever it is. As much as you know yourself, God knows you better. Listen to these words from Psalm 139. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You're acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You know it altogether. God knows everything about us. Therefore, there's no point in hiding. So why are we told to confess? Later on in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. In confession, we're inviting God to open our eyes to see what is true about me. So why do we confess when God already knows? Because confession is a two-way communication. It anchors our identity, our sinful identity, our saintly identity in God. When we sin, we might harm other people. We might harm ourselves. But sin is primarily an offense to God. It is primarily a fracturing of the relationship between us and the Lord. And we see this in Psalm 51 when David says, um, You and you alone have I sinned against. David did sin. And it hurt other people. It hurt himself. But he recognizes my sin is primarily an issue between me and God. My sin and my sinfulness, they matter. And it matters that I'm aware of them because my relationship with God matters. And when we stand before God, we cannot pretend to be anything other than who we really are. With all our quirks and insecurities, all our ulterior motives and temptations and sins. 
And here is the truth about us, and you're probably already aware of it. If you've ever uh, posted anything online, or if you've ever told a little fib about yourself, or if you've ever dressed up a certain way, here's the truth about nearly every single one of us, is we care what other people think about us. Nearly every one of us wants to portray an image of ourselves to the world that is not who we, re- who we really are. But that doesn't happen before God. Before God, every veneer, every mask that we wear, every diversion, every bit of armor falls apart. There is no hiding from God. God knows us. And David is aware of this. Verse 3, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He says, Here is all my junk. Here is my sin. Here is my sinfulness. Here are all my dirty, sinful, lame thoughts. Here it is. Verse 4, Against you and you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. David knows that his sin is so extensive that anything God says about him, any judgment that God passes on him, God is completely fair and reasonable to do that. Confession is the beginning of self-awareness. Verse 6, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. God knows the truth about us already. And when we can be truthful about who we really are, the psalm says, God delights in that. God delights in the truth about us. So now let's go back to Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear, he tries to fly, he crashes to the ground, an arm breaks off. That's not the end of Buzz's story. In fact, it gets worse. So Sid, the neighborhood bully, he finds Buzz at the bottom of the stairs, and he decides, here is a toy that's already broken. Let me just damage him all the way. So what does he do? He straps a firework rocket onto Buzz, and he wants to shoot him into the sky to destroy Buzz. But the rains come. He has to postpone his plans. It's a rain delay, and he leaves Buzz. At this point, he's uh, at his nightstand. And at this point, Buzz, he is despondent. He is condemned to destruction. Despondent because he realizes, I'm not who I thought I was. I'm not as great as I thought I was. And he's condemned because he knows that if Sid gets his hands on him the next day, when the weather's clear, he's going to be destroyed. Now his friend Woody, Woody is stuck in a crate. He tries to convince him that even though Buzz is not the heroic space ranger that he thought he was, and even though he's been damaged, he is still loved. He's still loved. He says, and this is a quote from Woody, being a toy is a lot better than being a space ranger. Buzz looks at his toyness. He looks down on his wrist. On his wrist is stamped, made in Taiwan. That's where toys are made. And he looks at the bottom of his foot. And do you remember, if you've watched the movie, you have to know that Buzz Lightyear has a name on his soles of his feet, Andy his real owner. And in that moment, Buzz Lightyear, he realizes who he really is. He is not the fictitious hero 
that he thought he was. He's not as amazing or as brilliant as he thought he was. But he was the beloved toy who belonged to someone who loved him. And this is the moment of confession for Buzz. He confesses that he's been living a lie and he's not the hero he made himself up to be. And this truth, even though it shatters his self-image, even though it shatters what he wants other people to think of him, it becomes not a moment of further despair. It becomes a moment of joy, a moment of power, because this truth that he belonged to someone who loved him, it energizes him. It energizes him enough to help his friend escape from the crate that he's been wrapped up in. And they run out in t- just in time to see their true owner, Andy. They run out of the house. They see their, their owner, Andy. He's driving away with his family in the family station wagon. And they chase after the truck, but they can't keep up. And then Buzz remembers, Sid put a rocket on me. Buzz Lightyear, he ignites the rocket and he grabs Woody before he flies off and it sends him hundreds of feet up into the air. Just before the rocket explodes, Buzz, he opens up his wings, he detaches the rockets and he cuts them loose and they float in the air and through some movie magic, they land through the sunroof of Andy's family's station wagon and they land right next to Andy into the loving acceptance of that car. They're back with their owner. It was in that moment of confession that Buzz Lightyear, he realized, this is who I am. But not only that, confession is an understanding of who we belong to. When we understand who we we really belong to, we will want to return to him. Buzz Lightyear returned to his owner, Andy. Who will you turn to when you see the truth of who you really are? The author, Kenneth Lee, he writes this, Sin does not consist only in transgression of external laws, but in an inner alienation of the personality from God. When we confess to God, we're saying, my relationship with you has been fractured, and yet I still belong to you, and therefore I will trust you with the truth of who I am. Often when we think of confession, we think, Confession is the point of the beginning of pain and my condemnation. That's how it's portrayed. If you watch um, movies or if you are familiar with the legal system, once you are outed as a person you really are, once your sins and your actions are really revealed, this is when you begin the process of condemnation. You're going to go to jail. You're going to be punished. You're going to be executed, perhaps, if the sin is severe enough. But for us, confession is the beginning of healing, even if there is pain involved. Verse 8 of Psalm 51, David recognizes this. He says, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. How do broken bones rejoice? Why would they rejoice? They rejoice when they know that there is healing coming. They will not remain broken. And when we confess, it's with an attitude that God may very well break us, with the consequences of our sins, but he will not leave us broken. It will rejoice in healing. It will rejoice in rejoice. It will result in rejoicing. And if we believe in a God who cares for us like that, 
wouldn't you want to t- turn to him? And this is what repentance is. For the next few moments, let me talk about repentance and then we'll be able to practice this. I mentioned earlier to the kids, metanoia. Metanoia is a Greek word for repentance. It's a turning away. It's a change of our hearts and a change of our mind. It's saying the things that I was loving, I want to love something else. My heart is being turned toward the one who really loves me. And it's not just something that leads us to pain and grief. Second Corinthians 7, Paul writes this, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. If you're stuck in your confession, and if you have nowhere to go, that will lead to death. That leads to shame and condemnation. It leads to withdrawal. It leads to alienation from other people. But... Godly repentance, Paul says, this leads to salvation without regrets, where you don't have to be stuck in your sin. Uh, one of the things that we that articulates what we believe as a church is the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and it has this question and answer. And this is the question, what is repentance unto life? Speaking of this passage from 2 Corinthians. Repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and an apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, does with grief and hatred of sin turn it unto, turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. A lot of words, but I want to focus on this one uh, phrase in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is this. Repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sa- sinner, out of a true sense of his sense of his sin, an apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ. Repentance happens when you understand the mercy of God in Christ. This is how we can repent. My favorite author, Frederick Buechner, he says this. To repent is to come to your senses. It is not so something you do as something that happens. True repentance spends less time looking at the past and saying, I'm sorry, than to the future and saying, wow. Repentance can be joyful. It can be life-giving. You may look at your sin and feel a deep grief as you should. You may look at your sin with, your sin with regret as you should. But that is, not, that is not the end of it. Repentance done rightly looks forward to the future and says, that thing that God has for me on the other side of repentance is so good. Therefore, I want to repent. And God grants us repentance. Acts 11 and 2 Timothy 2.25 God gives us this desire for repentance as a gift Romans 2, it tells us that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. We can turn from our sin and say, God, I want what is best. So this is what repentance is. It's a reminder that sin is sin and it points us to God. Repentance is a gift that reorients us toward Christ. David recognizes this. He says... God, hide your face from hide your face from my sins. He recognizes 
that he himself in his sinfulness cannot stand before a sinful God. And he's crying out for someone he doesn't know yet. He's crying out for Jesus, who becomes the one who is his atonement. Jesus is the one who makes it possible for him to repent with joy, because in Jesus, God doesn't condemn us. In Jesus, God sees us as righteous and perfect. When we repent, we are saying, I am receiving the promise, the covenant promises of God. And here I can say that even though I'm sinful, even though I have offended a holy God, Christ stands between me and God. Christ is my righteousness. When I repent, I see the beauty, the goodness, the mercy of Jesus Christ. This is the point of repentance. Create in me a clean heart, O God, David says. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. And he says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. The joy of our salvation is the result of our repentance. And let me close with this final, uh, these verses from the song, Arise, My Soul, Arise. This is what repentance leads to. My God is reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for his child. I can no longer fear. With confidence I now draw nigh. And Father Abba is my cry. This is why we pray. We turn to God in repentance and we say, God, I recognize my horrible, awful sin. But I want life. I want to repent. I want to turn toward Christ. And when I do that, I can look at you as my Father, my loving Father who owns me, who cares for me. This is repentance unto life. And I'm going to pray Um, And I'm going to invite Tom up to lead us in a time of confession of sin and prayer. Um, Will you pray with me? Father, this is a lot that uh, I try to cram into just a few moments. And there's so much more. But I pray that you would make known to us the necessity of confession of our sin and the necessity of repentance. And I pray that this would not lead us to darkness, but it would lead us into a marvelous light. That it would lead us to life, God. And God, would your spirit do his work here in these coming moments as we confess our sin and as we think about the truth that we can be forgiven, that we are forgiven in Christ because the gospel is true. Amen. So uh, before Wade comes up to give a closing blessing, uh, in your bulletin, there is an opportunity for us to... Put into practice what Wade's been uh, preaching and what Psalm 51 reminds us of this morning. We can actually together have a Buzz Lightyear moment. And you don't have to look on the bottom of your feet, but if you are following Jesus, if, if he is your Savior, then on the bottom of your feet is who owns you, Jesus. And so we can fully know uh, who we are. And we can fully bring all of it, the good, and our sinfulness to God. Not because um, God needs something to fix him in our confession. No, our confession is for us. Uh, Just like in the garden in uh, Genesis 1, God says to Adam and Eve, come, where are you? 
I think we need to talk. So together this morning we get the opportunity to hear God say, let's talk. Come and talk to me. And the scriptures that are here are really helpful. Confessing our sin, you know, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we, we know we're toys, but we're his. So I'm going to just give us a few moments um, to confess sin quietly to God. And don't be silly. He, he knows everything. He knows your motives. He knows all the issues. He knows it all. And you're his. Jesus, you're his. So let's confess sin together as his people silently. And then I will declare from scripture a word of assurance and pardon. Let's pray. Confess. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Remember, you are his church. He loves you. You are pardoned. Be assured of that this moment, in this time. Let's sing together. Why don't you stand and let's sing um, our response. See the dawn of the darkest day, Christ on the road to Calvary, tried by sinful men, torn and beaten then. 
coming to Christ, coming to Jesus who embraces us. sinners poor and needy weak and wounded sick and sore Jesus ready sends to save you full of pity love and power I will arise and go He will embrace me in His arms. For in the arms of my dear Savior, oh, there are ten thousand Come ye thirsty, come and welcome, come and glorified, to relieve and true repentance, every grace that brings you and ruined by the fall. Lift your until you're better. You will never come at all. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in my dear Savior, oh, there are ten thousand charms. Feel Him prostrate. In the garden, underground, your maker lies. On the bloody tree, behold him, sick and willing, though the incarnate. God ascended, please the merit of His blood. Venture on Him, venture holy. Let no other trust in truth. I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in His arms. 
in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there me in his arms and in the arms of my dear Savior oh there are ten thousand charms oh there are ten thousand charms